And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. The men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Dan's guest host today, Mark Sutherland. Good evening from the UK. Thank you very much indeed for joining me as I attempt again to sit into the boots that I can never fill of Dan Happel. Dan can't be with us tonight, so he's asked me to sit in and guess for him. Thumper is in the tech driving seat, which I'm extremely relieved to to see. So thank you very much, and I'm wishing you a belated, respectful Memorial Day, which I believe happened last Monday. And just a quick comment on that. I am then immediately drawn to history, immediately drawn to the Normandy landings. And I think on Gold Beach in one day, American soldiers, there were 10,000 lives lost and, 10, and up to including uh that figure would include injured on one day for the bravery of those soldiers in regard to freeing Europe. Hold that thought as we think about, sadly, the younger generation, as we're having all these rows about transgender, trying to stop people for speaking sense in Oxford and Cambridge University and Oxford and Cambridge student unions. That is the kind of madness that we are now putting up with, where people were actually fighting for freedom. And I would put my guest tonight in the first hour under that banner of fighting for freedom, but fighting for freedom in a different way, which is fighting for the freedom of understanding why the elections in America have been abused through the digital voting machines. So I'm going to be joined in seconds by Vicky Karp. Vicky Karp wrote well, edited with um, with Abby Waterman Delosia, the the book Hacked High Tech Election Theft in America. This was in 2006. One of the joys that I have, because I have many, many friends, as you know, in America, is that I can phone people up, as I believe it is my responsibility when I'm hosting shows, producing content, to get wonderful, incredible guests on. And I'm able to do that through contacts and making phone calls and say, can you find this people? So find us so a very kindly, a dear friend of mine, David Summerall, may manage to put me in contact with Vicky. So before Vicky comes on, I don't want, she very kindly sent me her bio and I wish to read you that. So 
Vicky Carp, co-director, VoteRescue.org, Austin, Texas. Vicky Carp is a realtor from Austin, Texas, who has focused on election integrity issues since she learned in 2003 that elections were being stolen on a regular basis with electronic voting. She is the co-director of Austin Citizen Group, Vote Rescue, with founder and director Karen Rennick, and has served as president of the board of Beth Harris's non-profit election watchdog group, Black Box Voting. And in 2006, Vicky and a fellow activist, Abby Delosia, co-edited the book Hacked, High-Tech Election Theft in America, in an effort to help educate the public on the ongoing threat of stolen elections resulting from the use of electronic voting machines and scanners. Vicky has been a frequent presenter on the topic for various political citizens groups and has given testimony at the Austin, Texas Capitol to both House and Senate committee, co-produced press conferences, appeared on MSNBC and Austin TV news channels, has been on the guest of various radio shows around the country, presenting her views on the topic, as well as co-host of the weekly radio show, Vote Rescue Radio, where citizens count one vote at a time. In 2008, she dedicated to a return to true election integrity with totally transparent hand-counted paper Ballots. Now, I want to welcome Vicky on. I just asked Vicky if you could unmute your microphone, please, madam. That would be amazing. Vicky, lovely to meet you. How how are you? And I just want to say thank you very much for joining me on the show today. Well, thank you, Mark, for reaching out to me. It's been a while since anyone's contacted me to speak on this subject. And it's been a favorite subject of mine, as my bio tells, since the early 2000s. And um, Although I haven't been full-time activist on this for a few years, I keep up with some of the major stories on it, and I certainly have a good grasp of the history of the problem, as you kind of laid out from my bio. So it's nice to be here. I really appreciate your interest. Not at all, because the interest is this. If I say to you that recently in the London mayoral elections on May 2021, a, a gentleman who sat on them was sitting on the Alumba, London Assembly called David Curtin raised the issue and said, my words, after the electoral hassles of 2020 of the presidential election, Mr. You know, Sadiq Khan, are you happy about the electoral integrity of the actual London mayoral elections? And of course, Mr. Sadiq Khan said, oh, I've got no problem. Yes, I'm, I'm totally happy with that. Well, I just want to say to you, the, ver the votes were counted electronically, right? There are incidences in 2012 and 2017, Scottish elections were counted using digital machinery. You are more than aware of the next character that I would name, which is Lord Malak Brown. Lord Malak Brown sits on the, or you may not be aware, so I apologise, sits on the board of Smartomatic Software. We won't get ourselves into any sort of legal or libel issues in regard to that. I'll immediately say Fox News. So we go from Diabol to Dominion voting machines. But Lord Malak Brown, in an article in Huffington Post a few years ago, said, well, you know, with the 2020 elections coming up, et cetera, et cetera, by 2020, you know, we need to be um, 
basically using digital voting formats. Vicky, I wonder what I wonder what you think about that, considering I think in the Philippines there's been scandals in the past. And also, I think if off the top of memory, an Eastern European country, Latvia, um, well, it's within Europe, but with that background, of course, I think one recent election, then it was totally digital. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think that computers should be involved in elections at all in any way, shape or form. And I, I just learned too much over the years to trust them. And there has been a, a belief uh, promulgated by the media that when some of the uh, districts and states and counties and texts, in, well, actually in the whole country, switched from completely paperless machines, which was more or less what quite a few states were, were stuck with from around 2002 on, uh, it was easy to criticize those, and finally, a move was made to create the paper ballot element, but still, as you are talking about here, counting the votes digitally. It's the same problem. You can It's a computer, and you can hack it. And um, when I was working with Bev Harris, she got on, actually, there was an HBO documentary yes. about her work called Hacking Democracy. And you can still find, I believe, I haven't looked lately, but you used to be able to find components of it on YouTube. And in that in that documentary, there was a segment that they referred to as the Hursty hack, in which this, uh, I think he's, I don't know what his nationality is. He's a European uh, hacker guy, computer expert. She met him at a hacker convention, and she asked him if he, would take a look at the Diebold software. At the time, Diebold was the second larger, largest uh, producer of electronic voting machines. And she found their software, which they accidentally left on their website. And the software included uh, uh, instructions on how to come into a hidden back door, change election results, and exit out without a trace. And this is what I heard on Alex Jones's show one day back in 2003 that caused me to get all alarmed about this. And I picked up the phone and I got on her website. Her phone number was there. I called her and I've been a Toastmaster for about 30 years. I'm always looking for speech topics. So this for me started as just a, a speech, one speech at Toastmasters and then it turned into kind of my second career, including working with her. But anyway, she had this documentary made about her and she got Hari Hursty with the cooperation of the Leon County, Florida election official, Ion Sancho to hack an election using only the um, scan the digital scanners on paper ballots. And so she and about five or six activists went to his office with his permission, and Hari Hursty came in with his assistant, uh, or a colleague, I should say, not his assistant, and they created a fictitious election that uh, I think eight of them voted. And I think the question on the ballot was, can, can this election be hacked using just the digital scanner? And so uh, all the activists said yes, and and Hari and or all Hari and well, the vote came out something like there were six yeses and two noes going in, feeding into the machine, and it came out completely opposite. <laughs> the results came out completely opposite when they were accounted for. So Ian Sancho was absolutely flabbergasted and so alarmed, and he's and he he was such a good guy. We we interviewed him on our radio show, and he 
was really just trying to create elections with integrity in Leon County, Florida. And he was more or less forced to use these machines at that time. So I think he refused to use them after that. I'm not sure if he got laid off or what happened to him. But having seen that happen, at least through that documentary, I realized, you know, scanners, you may have your 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 paper ballot and you may be told that you can. It's better to have paper because then you can do a recount with that. And theoretically, yes, that's true. But by the time recounts occur, there is a lot of time to manipulate those ballots and change the results of what people find in a recount. And I've seen that happen, too, in person in New Hampshire wow. in 2008. So there are just problems all over the place with, with computerized elections, no matter what what part they play. And I really, I know it sounds like, it sounds like going back to the dark ages, but truly hand-counted paper ballot elections done the proper way are the, really the only way I think that one has a chance of trusting election results. I don't, I don't think it's going back to the dark ages. I think it's going back to, uh, quite rightly, you know, it's going back to a system that we can we can trust. And as as you fully know, you know, Stalin said, he said, it's not who votes that's important, it's who counts the votes. So it's exactly. quite, it's quite, I mean, I want to explore this with you because there you are discovering this in 2003. There you are in, in America, which is, I say it respectfully, which has then gone around historically turning around. You know, you are a representative constitutional republic with alienable rights. You are not a democracy, no matter how many times various presenters on new. And I'm again, I'm not saying this to be clever, as I so often do. I'm saying it because I'm immer I'm immersed in your in your politics. I'm immersed in in what's happening in America. And I say it respectfully. And but the thing is, we are we are an excuse of a democracy, which is another story with what's happening over here. But when you are turning around going, well, we're trying to bring democracy to this country, this country and this country. And then you turn around and go, well, hold on a minute. This isn't particularly what you would call democratic, because we realize that there is huge glitches in our system. And this isn't this isn't right. So going that particular video clip, um, I've actually found. So when um depending on time when you'll no longer be able to be with me, I'm going to show that seven or eight uh, minutes, which I've already emailed to Thumper. And you're absolutely right, because that the the uh, there's the guy that have done the experiment. There's Bev Harris in uh, in the uh, video. She is someone I would love to talk to as well. We've got we'll sort this out another time. Plus, get hold of someone, uh, a friend of mine from Canada. But mm -hmm. um that it shows it shows all that it shows all the flipping of the tech of the technology when you were in new hampshire which you've just alluded to what did you see specifically with your own eyes what were you looking at with your own eyes there was a recount going on in in the uh i think concord is the capital there i think anyway there was a recount going on on the from the republican primary and there was this kind of a minor Republican candidate for president named Albert Howard. And at the same time, uh, Ron Paul was on that ballot as well. Right, right. And there was a lot of suspicious uh, data coming out from activists that were on the ground watching what they could and think, saying, you know, it looks like Ron Paul's getting screwed here, but we, you know, we can't tell for sure. But Ron Paul chose not to file for a recount. But Albert Howard, on the other hand, <laughs> he was uh, he was really irate when he was on election night 
he was watching the vote counts come in on TV and he went to the restroom and came out and his numbers, his total numbers had gone down just while he went to the restroom and stayed down below the next, you know, every, with the next highest candidate. So he, he could see that something had happened that wasn't right. So he filed the recount, which cost him a lot of money, took a lot of people volunteering and donating to that cause, tens of thousands of dollars to get it done. So Bev Harris went up there and I went up there and met her. And there were some other activists that were uh, observing this recount. And how they did it was they sent these two guys who were hired by the state out in a, in a white van to these different townships to collect the paper ballots and bring them back to where they were doing this recount. And we were following the van. That was as close as we could get to this trailing the, the, the chain of custody of these ballots being retrieved from uh, these local uh, townships, I think they call them rather than precincts, so that they could be recounted. And these these drivers did everything they could to elude us. I was riding with Bev Harris. I had a video camera and she was having to go 90 miles an hour on the freeway to keep up with the van because they were trying to lose us. But we managed to keep up with them most of the time. And eventually we ended up back at the state house or whatever room, whatever building it was where this was going on and they would deliver these boxes. But we looked at the boxes later. We got at least a look at the boxes and there were these so-called seals that they had put on the boxes that were just like, they were like post-it notes. You could just lift them up with your finger and you could tell that some of these boxes had been opened and messed with. So, you know, this this chain of custody thing. This is, you, recounts aren't going to do it. So, yes, they had a recount of these paper ballots. And, yes, that looked like a good process. But would you consider how long had it been since Election Day and what happened to those ballots between Election Day and the day that they were recounted? That is where the mystery lies, and nobody can answer those questions. So the results of the recount aren't really reliable either, honestly. You might want to think they are, but they're truthfully, they're just not. So we saw all that while we were there. My camera was stolen. My regular camera was stolen. Somebody took it. I never got it back. I, my regular camera looked like a video camera. And so I think somebody was assigned to get it out of my hands. But actually, I had another camera that was the real video camera. So it was quite fascinating to watch this um, evasion of people who are just trying to witness the truth of what really happened in that election. It should have been so transparent. They should have let us ride in the van with them at the very least. At least that part of the equation could have been, uh, had some integrity to it, but you, you just heard how it really went. What's interesting when you mentioned Ron Paul there, because other than incidences going on like that, it was how the press would say, oh, um, he's running fourth at this point, where he might have actually been second they were playing it down constantly drip dripping in so many different ways to begin to then say well he's not doing that well then we're not going to get out and vote you know mm -hmm. it's that classic thing mm -hmm. let's just mention this where in 2020 in the presidential election fox news i'm not saying anything that isn't out there called arizona for joe biden so on the west coast all the different time zones they're calling that for joe biden early and obviously it means that people on the east coast that still have time to vote it's like well what's the point in getting out there so this whole thing of demoralizing everyone it's all part of these tactics vicky why why have 
I mean, it sounds a bit of a stupid question. I want to come back to this because you were bang in the middle. Why have voter rolls not been cleaned up? Why are we still discovering the fact that, you know, American cemeteries are full of dead people that still vote in various, I think, like Pennsylvania, I think, for argument's sake. Why, why is this still continuing? Why is our side, and I include myself with you, are not pushing to clean all this up? It's a great question, Mark. And that's just one of the many ways that fraud can be committed by whichever party or group of people, candidates, representatives have the upper hand on a particular election cycle. The electronic voting is a kind of a, a wholesale way to cheat instead of the retail machine by machine. You just change it at the you can change millions of votes at the, at the central tabulator. But then you've got you have the whole registration system, as you mentioned, it's a really, really big problem. And I think I just read a, an article recently, and I can't remember where it happened in some city that they or some county with a lot of voters where they had found, I don't know, maybe 90 or 100,000 voters that should that were had either moved away or died. And this is rampant and it's and most of it still has yet to be discovered. But it's just a way that it's just another way for people to cheat for who the, the the people that are really doing us harm on these elections. And we've got you know the chain of custody of the ballots, as I just mentioned in the example of a uh, recount. And we've got also, as we've seen Carrie Lake go through the signature verification problem, uh, where they they're not really they're not really using real signature verification, they're letting a lot, of, a lot of ballots come through that should be thrown out through that. Then we've got the ballot. Um, could you, sorry, could you explain the signature verification, that whole process? Right. I think for mail-in ballots, at least the mail-in ballots, absentee ballots, some people are signing their ballots and there is a group of people and election workers who are supposed to be comparing that signature with a signature on, let's say, a voter registration card or some some record that they have there of that voter. And <laughs> so these matches were that, that were done, they weren't really done. They were supposedly done, but examples were given of how ridiculous the process was and how many ballots, some count of uh, estimate of how many ballots really should have been thrown out just from that one thing. So there's some there people have gotten so creative. I mean, when I started this, it was mainly it seemed like mainly electronic voting. And now there are all these other ways to to uh, manipulate the results of an election. So if you can if you count ballots that have don't, do not have a signature match, you can get that ballot count up way, way high for whoever you want. And if it gets challenged in court and the, and the judge doesn't do anything about it, then you've gotten away with it. Right. Um, you've got the whole Dropbox problem, which um, you may be familiar with Dinesh D'Souza's movie, yes. 2000 Mules. Yes. I highly recommend people look at that because that right by itself, the, the, the Dropbox problem and people, they called, he called them the mules who would just deliver hundreds or maybe thousands of made up likely ballots mm. and just stuff them in these ballot boxes. And, and so the, the True the Vote people did this movie with Dinesh D'Souza's they, well, he did the movie based on the information and data that they had gathered, and they found a way to track people by their phones, all, all the stops that they made. And a lot of them were going to these, I think, Democrat uh, organizations and picking up, apparently picking up ballots, it looked like, 
and stuffing them in these boxes. And there were videos of them trying to stuff multiple <laughs> multiple ballots in these uh, in these mail-in ballot boxes, in these drop boxes. And so, so that, and that, sorry, that had moved on from something like the 2016 election, where in New York you were bussing round people to go from one sort of voting out uh, centre to another voting centre, and the same people were voting more than twice. Is that is that a fair point? <laughs> yes, that's, I forgot that's not on my list. I should have put that on there. Yeah, I just <laughs> I, I almost admire the people who think of these things. It's just they're very creative. And then, you know, then you've got the, the whole thing of people going into nursing homes and you've got these nursing home patients who can't even talk or write. Right, right. And you have these ballot harvesting situations. And there have been some prosecutions on that, but probably compared to the amount of that that's really gone on, probably minuscule. I know in Houston or outside of Houston that had happened, I think, in 2020, but I don't think that was the only time. And I think some people may have gone to jail for that. I'm not sure, but. We also have the problem in a lot of our districts and cities where we have these prosecutors who won't prosecute crimes. You know, we've got people who are backed by negative forces out there that don't want criminals prosecuted, especially if they have anything to do with manipulating election results in a way that they want them to be manipulated. They or, or, or paid by people that originally came from Hungary. We'll just leave it like that. I mean, you're... you're you're absolutely right. So, they, so going back to that incident where you're with Bev and there, there you are, the boxes, they should be sealed. You're following a van. They're trying to accelerate and lose you. What have these people got to hide then, Vicky? Sorry if that sounds a bit of a naive question, but what were they trying to hide? One can only guess. I mean, what, what would have been the harm in us letting us follow them at a safe speed? What have, would have been the harm? We still can't see what's going on in that van. We didn't know if maybe there was someone else in the van pulling out ballots and putting in other ballots. There could have been. I guess maybe, well, we did see, we did get to catch up with the van once or twice to where we saw when they pulled back in to deliver these boxes. So I don't think there was anybody in that van besides these two guys, but all it takes is two guys. You got one guy driving and the other one could be switching out ballots. So it's just it's it, it right. I mean, it's just really there's just no way to really know. But it does make you suspicious when they're trying to elude you. And all you're trying to do is is watch the you know, just observe the chain of custody of these ballots that are about to recount be recounted. Yeah. A friend of mine who ran for Congress, uh, I think, last year in uh, in Oregon, um, she had exactly the same thing where she her votes were, I think, was something like ninety six thousand. And then suddenly it fell from 96,000 down to 84,000. And it's a case of what's going on. And the thing is, and, and understandably, we're, you know, we look at this and sometimes, and quite rightly, it's just utter disbelief. You know, what other reaction can we have? But when we're seeing it anecdotally, when you are chasing a band with your own eyes filming this, when you are looking at boxes that are not sealed, when I'm listening from dear friends of mine who are running for office going, uh, no, I saw my votes dropped. Why is it? And, and I say this, I apologize to America for this next question. Why is it that people, un, that there's just so little people maybe interested in this subject? Why are they not defending 
the Constitutional Republic's electoral process? Great question. When we first started working on this and trying to expose the problems with electronic voting, we found in that time it was a more naive uh, atmosphere where there hadn't been so much obvious fraud or evidence of obvious fraud that had come out. But we had a bunch of evidence. People really wouldn't look at it. But first of all, it seemed to be that people love technology so much mm -hmm. and because they like the convenience of these machines. And we used to, I remember one time, we, Karen Rennick and I did a presentation to a local group of software engineers, I think they were. They just laughed at us. They called us a bunch of Luddites. Oh, you know, we, there's a, you're, just, you're just barking up the wrong tree. There's not a problem here. Nothing to see here. These things can be made secure. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, we knew what, what our, our target audience did, needed to not be computer software people because they were defending is like we we're coming along attacking what they do. But I think what's happened over time is that, that the, the, the ability to hack these machines has become a lot more publicly known. But now I think what it is, I think part of what's happened here is that we have a big polarization in our country. Uh, we have had for a while, but I think when Trump ran for office, that started to create this further divide among people. And any election results that go against him, nobody will question anyone that's against Trump and hates Trump. Won't, they won't even look at the. They think he's crazy for saying that the election was stolen. And that even on the media, of course, which is one of the main problems we've got on this whole subject, how controlled they are. They will always refer to him when he says anything about that. And he wrongly said once again that the election in 2020 was stolen. And they keep repeating that mantra over and over and over again to where most people out there that don't really know what happened, just because maybe they hate him, will just yeah, of course, he's just blowing smoke and he's a big whatever, you know, they don't like his personality. So combination of, of those two things, I think some people still do love the convenience of electronic voting. The idea of a hand-counted paper ballot election seems like, oh, this could never happen because it would take too long. Well, Vote Rescue, which by the way, I want to comment that VoteRescue.org is, is no longer a live URL yep. because we yep. haven't been doing anything in, in a while, but that, that was our URL. But in the time that we were super active, we did we actually conducted elections for private groups. Private. We had a we have a public access TV channel here, and they had a producers' elections, and we would conduct those. They asked us if we would do hand counted paper ballot elections for them, and we did that. And we did uh, two or three elections for Libertarian Party hmm. for various elections they were having, including a state election that they had a few years ago. And it was just a beautiful thing. And then some other private groups. But what we do is we bring in. A, a, a transparent box, like a storage box, and we take the ends of it. We open up, we cut in a hole to, for people to put their ballots in. We number the ballots so we know how many there are. <laughs> we do not give them to people in order. We spread out on a table. You pick out the one you want, but at least we know how many there are. So then you know if somebody added some to the first, you know, to the real total. I mean, you've got to be able to account for the full number. So at the end, this is all happening in the same room. You don't take the ballot box out anywhere else outside the view of the people who are still there wanting to see what happened. And that, that's the key to making people understand 
this was a fair election. So we had for the libertarians that time, we were there was there were video cameras on the count. The screens were up there. Anyone that wanted to could just watch the count happen. So when it was time to stop the voting, we made an announcement and then we opened up the box in full view of everybody on camera. We dumped out all the ballots and we put them in stacks of 10. And we also had separately put aside if there were any spoiled ballots or uncount or blank ballots that nobody used. We had those over here so we could count those two groups along with the voted ballots and come up with the total we started with. Duh, you know, <laughs> just math, you know. And so um, so we have the stacks of 10 and then we have two we had two or three teams of people. And on one side of the table, we, we called them the um, the counter or the. Uh, the, the, well, we would call out the votes that on that ballot, and on the other side was the tallier. And next to the 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 uh, person calling out the votes was a watcher, and next to the tallier, there's a watcher. So this person is, if I'm the one calling out the votes, this person's watching me to make sure I'm calling them out properly. The person across the table from me, as they're tallying, that watcher is making sure that they're being recorded properly. So everyone that's actually doing the work has somebody watching them till we get through everything. And it didn't take as long as it takes some of these states, what, three, four weeks to supposedly come up with their total. Well, absolutely. Because it's such a joke and so ridiculous. And what is like, how long does it take them to hack this until they get the result they want? That's yeah, really what we're talking about, I think, you know? So no, absolutely, anyhow, absolutely. It, it was just a beautiful thing. I'm so glad we got to do that because of all the volunteer work I did with Revolt Rescue and radio show book, you know, being on the radio a number of times, which I really, really like. But that was my favorite thing to do was to conduct an election in the way that we believe is the highest integrity way to do it. And people were always very happy about the results. They all they all trusted the results and they would thank us when we were done because they, there was no doubt in their minds who really won and who really lost. And just one other comment I wanna make on that is that Karen Rennick used to say that when you take a ballot box outside the room to count ballots, whether it's a physical ballot box or whether it's an electronic ballot box, that is secret vote counting. Yes, yes. That yes. is secret vote counting and there is no reason why anyone should trust that. I mean, um, it's it's quite incredible, really. I mean, it's incredible that you're describing the fact that you took a box that, you know, is plastic. Everyone can see and you do a slot and there you are teaching people about how to have a proper vote. And this in whatever year that particularly was, we're now in 2023 It's past 2000. It just seems an anathema to you and I personally to me, because that is how we should all be voting. The fact that you've counted the ballots and all the rest, it's its just so obvious. There is footage. Um, I can't think of the gentleman's name, but there was footage, isn't there, on on YouTube of, of someone basically, I think either in court or a congressional committee, where he admitted and said, this could be hacked. We This could be hacked. And then, of course, you would have a conference where you would give a competition and show the fact that this would be hacked. Maybe that's one of the gentlemen that was used in the, the Bev Harris uh, situation. Vicky, your opinion, what happened in 2001 with the Bush-Gore-Florida standoff? 
that that was punch cards, wasn't it? What what was going on there? Yeah, that is, that's a really great question because I found out something way after the fact about that that was fascinating to me, which was that one of the electronic voting machine companies at the time that when once that became a, kind of a dominant thing and, and later on in two thousand was called Sequoia, and they made paper ballots with the Chads, the Chads that went to my, to Florida. And there was a documentary that Dan Dan Wallach did. I still have it here in my office. When he, it was an HD uh, HD net documentary. Um, I'll have to send you the name of it later. Mm-hmm. But part of it, he was a three part thing. He was he was interviewing some people in the Philippines that worked at the electronic systems and software manufacturing company where they're saying, yeah, they're testing for the machines before they'd send them back to the States. Was It was a shake test. If they could hear anything rattle in it, then they just <laughs> open it up and see what was loose. That was how they tested them. But then a part of this same segment of this same um, show that he did was about the Sequoia people who were in charge of making the paper ballots that with the punch, the punch card ballots that went to Florida. And they would receive these big rolls of ballot paper, and there was somebody in charge of inspecting the paper, uh, which was almost like a card stock, but it came in rolls, to make sure that it was the right thickness and the right texture and so forth. And so they started getting, before that election, these rolls that were different kind of material that was not what they were used to, too thin, and they would test it, and the ballots, the chads would hang (laughs) <laughs> the the ballots they had Chad problems with that paper and so what do you mean sorry could you could you explain to me what you mean by Chad problem what do you mean a printing well, problem the, the the hanging Chad problem was part of what led that what, what they were <laughs> it, it the, in a ballot in a punch card ballot right when you take a pen and you punch through a little piece of perforation on a mm. on a ballot card and to indicate that's who you're voting for. But the machine, if you're doing this by machine, would not punch it all the way through. And it was by design, as it turned out, <laughs> that, that this was happening in uh, some of the counties where the big recounts were happening. You may recall a picture of a guy with these big, go- thick goggle glasses holding up a ballot yes. with chads yes. on it with a magnifying mm-hmm. glass. And those were the counties where the Miami and Dade County, and I can't, I can't remember all those counties that had this big problem, but it back to the Dan Wallach interview. So these guys that were inspecting the paper would write in big dark marker. In fact, he said, we, we used to write kind of four letter words to reject. It was kind of a joke in the, in the company to reject a bad roll of paper. Um, and so they'd send it back and wait to get the next correct roll. And they were sending them back the same stuff again, even the ones that they'd marked out. Don't, we don't, can't use this. And they were just told to use it anyway. So we had wow. Chad prop Chad problems that brought in electronic voting that were created in large part because of those Chad problems that happened in that election. And when Dan Wallach asked these people who they were basically whistleblowers from the Sequoia company, which now has been sold to I don't know who they who owns them now or what company iteration name they've got, but why do you think that the company wanted you to use this bad paper? And he said, well, all I can think of, all we've been able to come up with is that they were selling electronic voting machines also, and they weren't selling very many of them. And so that, I think that the whole push was 
let's let's make it look like these ballots that with the chads are a problem. You can't trust them, so you need to go to electronic voting. That was just their guess. Wow. So there, there they are in the Philippines shaking these machines, maybe to try and find votes that already stuffed the machines with. I don't know. A uh, bit of a joke, but they're trying to do that. So what? So at that time, you know, the, the Gore party was saying, well, we've got to have a, a recount where people are trying to pierce and break the paper. That was not doing it properly or it was tearing all over the place. So the whole thing is deliberate. And we look at the fact that the whole of the country, didn't it? It came to the fact that it was hung on one state, if not a few, a few uh, divisions within that, to whether Bush or Gore was going to win. And then you and I could say, well, this is very interesting, maybe in regard to the history, even though I'd say respectfully, it's two wings of the same bird. In the fact that we have a, a uniparty within within Washington D.C., did that begin to in two thousand and one? Did that begin to spark your interest in looking at this whole issue before two thousand and three, when you saw began to see things in your own eyes within where within the area of where you live? I was I was devastated by that because at the time I was a very naive Democrat. And I, actually, I think the New York Times followed through with a group of people in Florida that continued to count the ballots after the Supreme Court said stop counting ballots. And I thought that's very interesting when our Supreme Court says stop counting ballots to find out who really won. According to this New York Times article, of course, who trusts them anymore? <laughs> but no. at the time they came, they came up with, I believe it was the New York Times, that uh, Gore did win that. But you know, he was ready. He was ready to just give up. And so that was what I found to be so distressing about that. It made me start wondering about him and question my own misguided, I would say, loyalty um, toward the Democrat Party at the time. And not that I'm a Republican because I'm not a Republican either, but I am. I have uh, I'm for people that support freedom and and mm -hmm. sovereignty in our country. And sometimes that might, you know, may be a Democrat again someday. It seems like the Republican Party seems to have more people like that these days. But nonetheless, I, it got me interested, but I didn't really pursue anything further on it until until really I was listening to Alex Jones one day and heard that interview with Bev Harris. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. I mean, and, and good. <laughs> it's very interesting, I suppose, because part of my own sort of political journey over here, our politics are quite different on one sense. But if we say that maybe the Democrats are a bit more left, my own personal journey has been, even though they're basically now communists, let's just say, it, has been from the left to what would be called the right. That's been my own personal journey uh, mm -hmm. as, well, as well. So, of course, then what we discover about Al Gore, you know, Mr. Climate Change, the water is supposed to be rising, polar bears are dying. No, polar bears are increasing and the water hasn't risen and temperature might have risen by 0.0008 of a percent of, uh, of uh, centigrade or whatever. No, he and there he is with his huge house absorbing huge amounts of electricity to, you know, for, for his air conditioning. And there he is flying around the world, lecturing all of us. So we see that. And I think to be totally and utterly fair to you, we were then living in a completely different time, 
we didn't, you and I would not have foreseen, like no one foresaw 9-11, even though there was a go in, two, in 1993 to bomb the car park underneath at that time under Clinton. But we wouldn't have seen certain things. And now we have that huge hindsight of looking back, don't we? Because we would then exactly. question Iraq, Afghanistan and all, and all the rest. But I admire anyone that has turned around and say, no, my views have changed. My views have changed. Um, and I think I'm not the only one that has said that if, uh, bless him, that if JFK was alive today, he would not be welcome into the Democratic Party. Right. Well, you can. I guess you can see how RFK Jr. is being treated mainly. Be, I mean, he's being vilified primarily because of his his uh, his stand on vaccines, and yet absolutely pe people won't even allow him to present his evidence, which is quite extensive about vaccines. I, bet, and I, so, I couldn't. I, I couldn't agree with you more. But going so going back, what are your view of what has happened in Arizona? with Carrie Lake, with Mayakopa County, with Katie Hobbs, with that disgusting other person, Bill Gates. Bill Gates, the other, the other disgusting of the, of the Bill, other Gates. Bill Gates. What, <laughs> is, what is your professional experiential insight into what has gone on there? I think Carrie, Carrie Lake won that election hands down and that there were a number of the elements that we're talking about here that were used against her. So many of them that if we had a fair judicial system, there would it would have been turned around really quickly. Mm -hmm. She's battling not only all this fraud, I think, but the judicial system that as she keeps going, though, I have to say, I send her money when I can. I really support what she's doing. She's not giving up. She's not going to give up. And I guess it, take it to the top all the way to the Supreme Court. Who knows? I, I don't have a lot of faith in what they might do. Uh, they've, they've disappointed me a number of times already. But I love her. I love her spirit. I love her commitment to getting to the bottom of this and trying to restore fair elections to Arizona. I think Maricopa County has been the problem county in Arizona for a long time. I personally have an activist friend, election activist friend, who has been monitoring elections there for years and, and, and filed numerous lawsuits. I don't know if he if any of them ever got him anywhere, but he, he's been tracking fraud there for a long time. So she, I think she was the victim of that. And it's not surprising given what her views are. And I just hope that she perseveres in the end somehow. And I think Katie Hobbs is someone that just takes orders from whoever tells her what to do. It's my impression. Whichever sort of um, Mexican drug cartel might be of an influence. That's out there, everybody. If I'm, uh, they think I'm talking out of, uh, the side of my mouth, there's various uh, comments that are out there that then would be interesting to chase. So you're, thank you, you've just said about a friend of yours that's been following that. Why is Mayakopa County so important? Is that because that is where most votes are cast in that particular area in Arizona? I think so. I think because they have by far the most voters in that county of any county in Arizona and they can make or break election results with what happens there. So it's, it's just easier to focus right there than jump around the state and, and work in too many other places to try to manipulate results. It's my guess. Because on that day, didn't we, we had, there were machine. they suddenly said, oh, this machine isn't working properly. And I mean, I remember yeah. seeing the footage and suddenly it's like, well, basically, if you just cast your vote, leave it here, 
we'll make sure it goes in the machine and it's counted and all this kind of thing. Or there yeah. is a queue. People are waiting for the queue. And then it's like, oh, we haven't got time. This is broken down. I mean, were you were you watching this? Were you watching yeah. some of the what was yes. going through your mind, Vicky? What was going through your I, mind? I, I was just I was thinking, wow, they've come up with another creative way to screw this up for the good guys, I would say. Uh, but one of the reasons the machines were breaking down, I don't know if you knew this part of it, Mark, but uh, the the machines are, the, the counters are made for a certain size paper. Or no, not the, no, the paper size was correct. Mm. It was the size of the actual imprinting of the ballot information. And so the tabulation was based on it being a certain width and height on the paper, but on the on the ballot. And so they made up a whole bunch of ballots and squished it down a little bit. They made it a different size. I'm not saying this properly, but you get the meaning, I think. Mm. And so that is what caused the mistabulation to occur in all the, in, in a lot of those situations, maybe most of the ones that we first heard about with these problems that were taking place. Oh, well, the counters aren't working. So just put them in this box here. <laughs> we'll take care of them. <laughs> and they did. So. I, I was just wondering what they would, what what would happen first, and that was the first thing that happened that I heard about that was out there on the news. So, because it's very that by itself is enough. Yeah, because it's very convenient, isn't it? Because it's suddenly gone from election day to election few days to election week to election month, you know, and beyond. And when it suits them, they turn around and say, "Oh, voting closed." on this particular on this particular day and there we are supposedly looking at a first world country we are but it seems to have a voting system that's worse than any banana republic is that fair i think it's been that way for a long time yes right. i think that's very fair i use that same term myself it's very how distressing long, right how long do you think this has been actually going on in in your maybe it's a very difficult question in many ways because it might be happening in different parts of the country in different ways i think that i think there there's been a maybe maybe a, it's hard to gauge the level but at least a fair to moderate amount of election fraud that's always happened in mismanaged even hand kind of paper ballot systems that were mismanaged and the the JF the uh, LBJ election they they found fraud there with paper hand count paper ballots and so I mean I, it's not a, it's not a foolproof system if it's not done right but when the electronics were brought in in the early two thousands with the pretext of there's always this euphemistic named piece of legislation that can be responsible for all kinds of evil, but there was something called the Help America Vote Act that came in in 2002. I think I did a chapter on that in the book about um, making sure that the disabled had a vote, way to vote privately. And these electronic voting machines were brought in initially as the, the, sol the solution to this problem because they're saying, well, if a blind person comes in to vote, they have to have someone help them vote. If uh, if it's a hand counted, you know, hand filled out ballot. So with these electronics, there's a way for blind and deaf people to cast their vote anonymously. Well, it's also a way to hack the vote for everybody else, <laughs> as it turns right. out. Right. Uh, but that, but so the government in the beginning put out 
several billion dollars funding for the states to buy these machines and then gave them a deadline that they had to be what they called HAVA compliant for in that way hmm. for uh, within a year, year and a half of the time they released those funds after the HAVA bill passed. And so that nobody really could think of anything else to be HAVA compliant except electronics. So once that came in, and a lot of those machines in the beginning were totally paperless, completely. Although as could we've you, gone into, could you explain paper, what the? Could you explain? Sorry to cut in. Could you explain what the HAVA bill is? The HAVA bill is called it. It, it, it called it was called the Help America Vote Act. Right. HAVA. Sorry, I do apologize. For sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's okay. So. And that was mainly the the goal of that bill was to was to bring about a way for the disabled to be able to vote in not privately, mm. and, and it was the excuse used to bring in the electronic right. voting machines. Uh, sorry, thank you. No, no, no thank you. No, thank you. Just thank I, you. I like to make sure people know. So I'm glad for the question, mm. Vicky. How? So there we are. We've just observed Carrie Lake. What were your feelings in 2020? in regard to the presidential election and now with what's unfolded and what we now know i i was very sad about what happened there and all the different types of fraud that were documented almost immediately in the following months and even still coming out now and to me it was an open and shut case pretty quickly with what i was coming across from my sources and i knew that the media would never go there and they have been faithful to my expectations and as they are <laughs> they're, they're consistent if nothing else in protecting the side that they work for and but what i guess what's what shocked me was what shocked me is what what's happened in our country just in this short period of time it's been devastating and um i I, I feel like there was, to me, there was no doubt that that election was stolen. It was stolen in a number of different ways, the electronics being one, exporting election results to other countries and having them come back maybe some, a different way. That's, there's evidence of that. Mike Lindell and his team of people and his conferences have brought out an amazing amount of evidence about things that happened in 2020, in, in, including in all the various states. And What's so distressing, too, Mark, is that election officials who have tried to do the right thing in their state are being arrested in some attempts to jail them. I think there's somebody in Colorado, I can't remember her name right now, yes. who was yeah. trying to stop some election fraud that she could plainly see was going on in her county. And I believe they came in, ransacked her office, and uh, I, think they, I think they arrested her. And so these kinds of things are happening. I think we know our our justice system is it's being revealed now is is so far out of control and i just don't know how we're going to get things back to where they should be i just don't know but i i pray about it a lot hmm. Hmm. because there is and i was just trying to find it i was just trying to find uh, the lady's name i may try and do that who was an ex uh, nasa scientist <laughs> who then was uh, Sadly, she died soon after Seth Rich, I think, in circumstances that are profoundly questionable. Really? I don't know if her, I don't know if her name was Macaulay. Now, she was she started to talk about, I believe, this whole thing of how the satellite system 
was used, could be used to interfere in regard to elections. Now, that mm. won't be a surprise to you. Mm. And I, I'm going to try and uh, I'm just trying to find it on my phone that was sent to me by uh, by a friend of mine uh, quite a mm. quite a while ago. But that mm -hmm. that and I don't want to I don't want to I'm not passing on false information, but I'm going to try and just try and quickly. I thought I had it to hand. Um, but it's this is uh, this is really, really um, very, very in, important this kind of thing uh, here we go here we go molly macaulay um for molly macaulay october the 14th 2020 a follow-up to my video about the murder of the brilliant space economist dr molly macaulay for threads and twitter accounts reference and um, was murdered because according to to this info this is a NASA scientist, Molly McCauley. Molly was murdered because she discovered satellites, her speciality, were being used in election fraud. She was brutally killed within 36 hours of Seth Rich. Now, <sighs> I know where that's come from, I more than, you know, I accept that and believe that. And again, we always have to we always have to look at things. We're not going to be surprised, sadly. We're not going to be surprised by this. But it's appalling where a very uh, patriotic America has then American has discovered things and just gone. This this isn't this isn't right at all, because, as you say, you look at whatever whatever's unfolded. Um, this is not an advert on his behalf, but I'm just saying it. You know, whatever people thought of Trump and we can all have different opinions, the fact that you were paying less less for your gas the fact that you had an economy that worked the fact that you had low unemployment and various various makeup of of america etc and that um you had an immigration policy where someone was trying to get hold of that and begin to make it work and there was a war being built etc etc you know the direction of travel that i that i am going with that and then we now are bordering on this anarchy, not just in your country, but also over here and with also uh, within Europe. Vicky, what do, what do you say when you have one candidate that's in that was in a basement and was not allowed out and you had another candidate, whatever people think of him, was filling football stadiums, basically. And some of them were my friends. What you know, how, reflecting on that, what are your thoughts on that now? The same as they were at the time <laughs> when these so-called uh, official results came out. This can't be real. This can't be real. It's what? insane. And the same okay. thing, they're setting us up. I think we're being set up for a repeat of that now, but I, I don't know. Well, I, it, I don't know. I just don't know what's going to happen. I just don't know. But I hope the right people can do what's, what is, what's necessary to it. If he really won, that would be one thing. I just don't think he did. But I'm willing to respect real election results if I can be convinced that they are real. Uh, well, he, but, he was supposed to have got more votes than Obama. That's right. Well, yeah. So, they, so here's your dream job. Here's your dream job. Um, whoever phones you up right now and suddenly various the various elites within the two-party system 
have decided that they are really genuinely going to go for a fair election. So what they've decided is to phone up Vicky Karp. She is the one that's going to lead this uh, with Bev Harris and everyone else and all these incredible people that are mentioned in this book. What do you do? You've only got, uh, what, a year and a half to go until uh, November 2024. What do you do? What do you begin to put in process? Boat Rescue was about to produce a video on how to conduct a hand count of paper election the way I described to you. And it was right when COVID was hitting the country and there were there were strong uh, stay-at-home orders and you know, limited number of people that could get together in here in Austin as we were about to put this together. And we had several volunteers ready. We had a videographer ready. We never did get to do it because we, we got stopped at that time and we, we had concerns about trying to do it uh, until sometime later and we never did get back to it. But the point being to answer your question is if teams of people could be trained to handle, to, to execute elections in the way I'm describing, it's really simple to go out and train election officials all over the country then, of course, you've got these, you know, a lot of people that are in positions of power who are election officials who don't really have an interest in doing this. But you would just hope that you get enough of them who really are concerned and want to do the right thing and aren't taken out of office because they want to do the right thing. Uh, if we have enough people in positions of power or authority, not really that much power, but somewhat, who are running elections, who are handling them the way I described, I think we could get back to fair elections. And I think that could go for any place, any country. When you're presenting, um, when you're presenting evidence that is in your book, I mean, I'm, I, this is really interesting, like on page 198, and I'm under the Bev Harris comments here, where she's suddenly saying, you know, what a surprise, November 1998, Chicago, Illinois, 100, 108 of 403 precincts were not counted. A pin from the cable connected the ballot reader to the counting computer had gone bent after three-fourths. I'm not asking you to remember your the book that you edited word for word, but this illustrates something to me in the deliberate breakdown of the technology and, and not preparing. So three-fourths of the precincts have been counted correctly. Not one, no one could explain how a pin inside a cable had become bent during the middle of the count. Democrats requested a full recount. A judge disallowed it. November 1998, you know where I'm going, Honolulu, Hawaii. A state investigation was conducted into the 1998 malfunction of voting machines in seven precincts at once. ES&S acknowledged the error and paid more than 250000 for the recount, in which the biggest expense was hand counting. According mm -hmm. to Vice President Todd Urizibis, sorry, I've just murdered his name, ES&ES <laughs> and ES Financial Officer Richard uh, Jablonski said ES&ES and ES would have saved a lot of money if it had been permitted to perform only a machine recount. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I bet they would have. <laughs> yeah. Giving voice to financial incentive for vendors to get rid of paper ballots. I'll just say one more. November, we're talking, that's 1998, 1999. We know where we are, 2003. 
November 1999, Norfolk, Virginia machines showed totals of zero, but votes had been cast. Edward O'Neill, Norfolk Electric Electoral Board Vice Chairman said somehow they lost their ability to count the votes. Well, I mean, we're reading this in in many ways, and I say, I say it respectfully because this is just superb because you've just got all of this. And there was a um, I'll just try and find it here. Um, the Riverside Counting Machines, a sea of deception in the desert. Uh, Riverside County, California, was one of the first counties in the country to use paperless touchscreen voting machines in 1999. The mm -hmm. county purchased several thousand ABC Edge voting machines from Sequoia uh, Voting Systems, which you were previously talking about. As soon as the purchase was made, the county's registrar of voters, who at that time was Michelle Townsend, did everything she could to make her decision appear to be wise and well thought out. Unfortunately, Townsend's act actions, as well as her successors, Barbara Dunmore, have included repeatedly giving out misleading or outright false information in order to make the county's voting system sound more secure and accurate and accurate than it really is now you you've raised you've raised a, a very very important issue over the fact that how long this has been going on you you bring up lyndon b johnson there's this whole accusation that if jfk was going to run for a second term then he would not have been running with LBJ. In fact, LBJ would have been dropped and that potentially he might have found himself in court being accused of uh, fraud and potentially in regard to voting. So possibly that might have been uh, one way to get rid of him. <laughs> absolutely. But what you're saying, what you're talking about, what we're talking about is the corruption, of course, that has been embedded within your system for years and years and hindsight is a wonderful thing because I'll, I'll say this to you before coming back that because of what's gone on in your in america that has meant that many of us or well not many some of us on this side of the pond have begun to look at electronic voting over here that's why i said what i did at the be at the beginning and mentioning lord mallet brown and he is a lord he sits in the house of lords you know, there's the House of Commons where you see the members of Parliament all screaming and shouting at each other. And then you have the House of Lords uh, with red seats, um, not screaming and shouting at each other, but being a bit more mildly mannered. And Brown was a lord. So under the Blair and Gordon Brown but with Blair, he was an advisor to Blair. There he is having links with, you know, the UN and, all, and various other things. What a surprise. I'm just describing a globalist and then his links and relationship with George Soros, not last year, I think the year before, there he is introducing George Soros at Davos, et cetera, et cetera. It's all out there, right? And then he's linked with Smartomatic mm -hmm. software that goes into the Dominion voting machines. Mm -hmm. And there he is linked with an as an advisor to Tony Blair. And two years ago, there's Blair our previous prime minister from 97 to 2007, Iraq and all that, and then followed by Gordon Brown up to 2010, calling for, we need a one world government. Right. Well, they're, 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 they're on the fast track with it now, it seems like, doesn't it? 
Yes. I, I, I think that's a very interesting recounting you just did. And I, yeah, I forgot that I even forgot in the book, our book that, that Bev, some of Bev's examples are from the late nineties. I forgot that, um, but I'm not that surprised. Um, but the, yeah, the paperless machines were terrible. And then everybody that, that, that all the election officials that switched over to a system that involved paper ballots felt so sanctimonious, like they're saving the, they're saving democracy in their district by having the paper ballots. But of course, they don't bother getting into the vulnerabilities of the counting systems, the computerized counters. Um, you know, last night I went to a premiere of a really wonderful movie called The Great Awakening by Mickey Willis, who put out, it's actually part three of the Plandemic series. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yes, I am familiar. Yes. Um, well, this was just a fabulous part three, and it really was a focus more on, it took us through, well, he started out his personal journey saying that he was a Bernie Sanders supporter, and then he started realizing what socialism really was, which was just the step right before full communism, and then he ended up bringing in G. Edward Griffin in wow. earlier talks that he has given, who I'm proud to say I consider a, a friend who I've gotten to work with a little bit in years mm. past, a mm. uh, wonderful, brilliant scholar on on the Constitution and history and, and really basically on how we got to this point. And that was the thread that was woven through this um, Great Awakening movie. It showed clips of G. Edward Griffin back when he was, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 years ago, talking about how communism comes into a country and the steps that you see happening when it's taking over a country. And so he would describe something and then Mickey Willis would show what's happened in our country that fits the description of what G. Edward Griffin was describing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Step step. And then he brings in G. Edward Griffin in today's time to make some summary remarks, but it's a brilliant film, I think. And I think the most important part about it was really the summarizing of the fact that dividing people the way we've been divided so effectively is part of that strategy, as well as getting rid of the nuclear family and having people feel hopeless and afraid all the time. And that we need to figure out ways to bridge these artificial divides that have been created for us intentionally and try to create an opening for the people that don't, don't think exactly the way we do and, and not consider each other enemies. Although I think, that's been, I think there has, there's been more white one-sidedness on that, but just the fact that we are in this great divided time and that it, it, we really need to figure out how to come together because we have a lot more in common than we do differences. And um, to, to regain the, the sovereignty, just to reclaim it, this our sovereignty and freedom that's been taken away from us. And in a lot of cases, people are giving it away out of fear. And so we talked about all the fear generation that's been going mm. on and how we've got to mm. just stop stop mm. falling prey to that. I mean, one of the um, and I am I'm privileged and it is I'm privileged to have this conversation with you, Vicky, and I'm very, very grateful to it because I I say, you know, in human terms and this is in God's hands. Right. As a Bible believing Christian, I see it through that filter. But. 
the reason why I'm then passionate about the United States is because of, of what it stands for. And it is the last bastion of freedom, even though you have described an electoral system that has been fraudulent. We go back to 1998, if not far earlier than that. But it's what it stands for in regard to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's why I'm very passionate about that. And I think... Um, having the privilege on one sense to be outside and then outside giving a view in that maybe sometimes Americans don't appreciate what they really have. You do. Others of a particular generations do. You understand that historically. We then and it's very interesting that you bring up uh, G. Edward. I've had the privilege to talk to him and Dan Happel, who is the uh, the host of this show on Connecting Dots, is a very, very good personal friend of his. So he helps to organize the Red Pill. I don't know if you've seen, if you've seen any of G. Edwards' interviews with Yuri Bezvanov, the KGB defector. They, mm. we're, we're try, I'll try and find those for you mm. because it goes through this. And of course, the 45 points of, uh, of, of communism were then put into your congressional record, I think, in 67, I think, might be a few years before that. It was put in as a warning. And, and I, I know I use this phrase constantly. I'm not saying this to be clever. I'm saying this is because I'm screaming at Americans <laughs> across the pond because I want them to be as passionate about this as I am. I, I think it's wonderful the knowledge you have about our, our politics and our history. As somebody from the UK, I wish I knew as much about your own country as you know about our country, but I have to admire your vast knowledge and your very wise observations about what's going on here. Well, Vicky, I really appreciate that. And I also take it as a huge compliment. And thank, thank you very much, because I am very you know it's very gratifying to hear that along with others that they're saying is quite humbling to hear because this has been and g edward would say this is why he wrote the creature of jekyll island and why the federal reserve came about and all the history of that one of the amazing things about the audience that we now have listening to us is that they are educated on on this some are, i i as you're thinking i'm not being insulted that a number of them There'd be certain subjects that would be very new to them, but they are educated about this because I think you've got to come back and talk to Dan as well. I need to introduce you to Dan as well. We'll do that by by email and make that connection because there is the Red Pill Expo. It'd be great to get you to speak there and to talk that and to meet other people that are fully awake. But also, I think you all need encouragement because... This is at times this is draining. At times this is depressing because you're fighting. You write you write an incredible book in 2006. We're now in 2023 with exactly the same problems. We're just you're watching Carrie Lake. You're watching all this. And this on a bad day can be extremely disheartening. And also, I think as well, it's being amongst a group of people where you can have a really, really good in-depth conversation. You can have a conversation, I'm not being rude, of quality, of intellect, and you are exchanging ideas and to be encouraged. 
And that's what we all need to be doing. You're absolutely right. And as our mutual dear friend David Summer of StopHate.com says exactly that, that the divide is not that big. Mm -hmm. We just want to bring everyone together because we don't. I've said this. You know, we look at the Biden, we look at the Biden family, we look at others, Pelosi, bloody blah, Schumer, Chuck Schumer and whatever. They've become multimillionaires in a political system. They don't produce anything. They don't make anything. Right. And they've become multi multi-millionaires and they need to be held to account. Why is that? How has this system done it? How has Obama gone from, you know, le lecturing about the Constitution, which is a bit of a joke, to then working for Acorn in a community accent, to then becoming a multi-millionaire and buying houses on, I don't know, Martha's Vineyard on the front, I think. Obviously, he doesn't believe in climate change, even though he preaches about it, um, because <laughs> the water, you know, how... How have we reached this point? And if it means that in these discussions, we begin to empower people, we begin to encourage people to get back in the fight. I can only, I want to encourage you and say that documentary that you didn't make then, go and make it. Get hold of it. Get hold of all the people that you, meet, you need. If you need help, there's a person you can phone up. Get going, get making it, because you are, you are, you, Bev, others, you know, in this book, you are an inspiration, because I think any, I'm not saying this to soft soap, I'm just saying you are an inspiration, because anyone that's decided to take their activism to the height that you did, where you are following bands, you're trying to find what's going on, there are not many people that are actually doing that. And I would urge you, I'll stop. I would urge you to do that, Vicky. Thank you. I've thought about it so many times and I, I, I'm encouraged. I'm going to talk to Karen about it. Yeah, thank you. I, mm. think we, I, I think we should do it too. I do. I do. Because the other, the other thing as well um, is there is, no, there is no such thing as, there should be no such thing as walking off the battlefield. We get injured. We get down, we're going to go and have a quick rest, right? We get put back together again, and then we can come back on. And we, we know that, and I see it, in, I say it in spiritual terms, deliberate. We are, as Ephesians 6 says, we're fighting the biggest spiritual battle of our lifetime. We're not fighting flesh and blood, but we're fighting principalities and powers. And not enough people within the church over here, within the church in America, are taught these things. This is a spiritual battle, and we're fighting for the the heart of what America actually stands for. Now, whether we win that is in God's hands. Another subject of discussing, you know, biblical prophecy and all the rest, but we have to make a stand and we have to have a go and we have to educate. And I want you to hear me. I am talking to myself too um th that that is i'm i'm doing that as well vicky are you okay for time because i know that you could only be here for a certain period of time and I, I don't want, i don't want to delay you anymore uh 
let's go for about 10 more minutes. I'm just okay, that'd be brilliant. so much. So, that's okay with you. No, not at all. So, Vicky, there you are. You've got your dream job. You've assigned everyone. How <laughs> many, what percentage do you think of Americans would actually take this seriously? Can, is there, we know that there's a base out there. We know that there's a base of people, for argument's sake, in their millions would then vote for a particular, vote for Donald Trump, for argument's sake. But do, which is a huge amount of people. I'm just saying that as a statement. That is a huge amount of people. So would they then begin to take this seriously? Would they then begin to get involved at the local level, get involved in scoreboards? What say you? What say you? When people have the opportunity, the average person has the opportunity presented to them to vote in this other way like we used to do, but with the, with the proper mm. safety measures in place as I'm describing them to you. People who don't have a, a nefarious agenda and maybe who are not computer software people, <laughs> they inherently recognize that this is something that they can, they, they might actually have some confidence that their vote is being counted properly if they're invited to come back after seven o'clock and watch us count the votes and they never leave the room. Just once they understand the principles involved that are so simple and so transparent, most people are, they get excited about it. And I think that it's the loss of confidence that most people do have in our election systems now in being able to trust the results that keeps people from a lot of people from voting at all. It keeps people from wanting to run for offices at any level because those people up till now have been effectively eliminated by, by, the, by the very bad elections, really, and different types of fraud that we've talked about. Hmm. So I, I, it's hard to guess how many people might really go for this, but if I were to guess, I would say it would be, I would say it could turn into a majority of people who just want to know what really is happening in an election, which no one has really been able to say for sure with any certainty, except just to know for quite a while, except just to, realize that as all this information starts coming out, if you know where to look for it, that there's not really a good reason to trust the results, unless you're just blindly not looking at evidence that is coming out because your candidate won. <laughs> and so um, that, that those people will refuse to be interested in trying this system ever, probably. But I don't think, I think, I think the people that really want to do things in a transparent and honest way, I do kind of believe that we have a majority going. It's just that we can't really tell for sure. I want to throw even more pressure out because in human terms, the election isn't the, your electoral system isn't just for Americans. It's for other countries outside America who are patriots, who believe in freedom and liberty for their own countries. Mm -hmm. and see America as a model. Mm -hmm. And that, that, I think, constant, and, and other people like Trevor Loudon, who wrote The Enemies Within, etc., have been, you know, talking about this. And, of course, you've got the New American, the John Birch Society, and as you touched on, Mujia Bukifan. It's all part of that, all those voices. And and that's what I'm saying. I want Americans to to see that. This is, this is actually bigger than them. Mm-hmm. Because if your constitution goes, the rest of the world goes. And that is what 
is under attack right now. Sorry mm-hmm. to provide more pressure on you <laughs> in that sense to take your dream job, either, you know, to take that job. Uh, this is probably just the right time to hear this from you. So I appreciate it. And I'm seriously considering it. I am. Well, I, I'm very, uh, I'm very humbled, genuinely, to hear that. I'm looking forward to you. I will email and I will check you and I will say, "Have you made it yet?" <laughs> I know, and I know how difficult filmmaking is because that's what I do, as amongst other things. But to get things off the ground, to find that energy, to go, no, this is what we must do. So, Vicky, if I'm if I'm being used to uh, be part of that conversation, be privileged to encourage you, then that that is amazing. That is really really amazing and thank you for that oh my gosh well you know what i did watch your between lambs and lions clip that you video that you sent me and gosh it, it just really had a strong impact on me and it was really amazingly well done and just so great and powerful thanks for sending me that well not at all i'm i'm as as viewers know if um i made that in 2015 that was my contribution to try and wake up america mm-hmm I yeah. uh, I had made myself very unpopular over here within certain circles when I was asked who was going to win, who you know, between Clinton and Donald J. Trump. And I said in November 2015, I think, I said, uh, Trump will win. You said that was, back then, huh? I said that back then. And huh. uh, because he had come down the escalator just after I'd made that film, I didn't realize that. And as you can, there are, I didn't make it because of that, but it was trying to then wake, wake people up as the way certain events then, then unfolded. Um, I, I look back now and think, oh my goodness, someone in the graphics at the beginning looks a bit like Ron Paul or looks a bit like Mitt Romney. It's if you go back and look that, and I think, you know, there's certain guidance there, but thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. I am very, I am always gratified when Americans get it right. That was actually made, that was made over here. It wasn't made in America. It was made mm-hmm. in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems, it, it scares me on the one hand because I don't want, I don't want to be right. Right. I don't want to be right. I don't want any of that to happen. Because I then made another film called The Iris Echo, which I will send you as well, which is a warning about communism. Mm-hmm. I, I desperately do not want to be right. I really don't. But we see the steam, tr- we see the train that's coming. And when in my film it says, you know, there'll always be five, you know, we call you the Liberty Caucus and all that. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you've seen it, but. But mm-hmm. Vicky, thank you, thank you very, thank you very much for watching that. I, I oh, appreciate. Of course. I appreciate that. Of course. That. I just I'm, want to tell you that if we do get our video done, I, it won't be nearly as highly sophisticated as what you did, but <laughs> it'll tell the tale. It'll it'll do the job. <laughs> well, I think I think what's really good, and it it there is other people around, and I can even help to connect you with that to actually help you to create, you know, the best product you can within limited resources. There are people that would be willing to do it. I'd be more than, you know, happy to to do that. But mm-hmm. the most important thing is to get it 
I feel really privileged to be. Uh, it chokes me a bit to have this conversation with you, to actually say, get it done, get it done. Thank you very much. Vicky, I'm conscious of your of your time. Is there what? So you're going to get the film. We're going to see that. This film is going to be made, right? <laughs> now, that's it. I so, need to talk to my partner, but I, I will just yeah. say my vote is yes. Yeah, your vote is yes. That's brilliant. And it's on a paper ballot right here. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm hand-counting it, too. You're hand-counting it, brilliant. So you make it, then what does that mean? Does that mean that a website in regard to all these issues would then have to be fired up again? What? How, just quickly, in the last minute or two, how, how, would, that, how would that play out? Well, yeah, we'd probably fire up our website again and then figure out, just get it out to different podcasters and uh, folks that are that are in the alternative media who have uh, who would post it and have us on to discuss it and get it out there in the internet as much as possible. And then, I I think you're right. I think there are people in other countries that would be interested in this too, and we'd have to figure out a way to connect with them. But uh, I think it would be it would be great to have it available for anyone that wanted it. Well, here. Putting my producer's hat on immediately, you've got it made. You could have it screened at the Red Pill. I would love to be able to be one of the first people to interview you about it, whether it was on Dan's show or on my own podcast and others. And also, as you have been talking about the pandemic film, you know, you've got access to Mickey. There's other people because... With what's happened over the last three years of this pandemic of stupidity, we've seen an outrage. We've seen the fact that of the growth of the independent media, people making independent films, as Stu Peters, I don't have to tell you because of geographically where you are, you have access to people. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got Stu Peters' network. You've got mm -hmm. David David's network. There, there are others. There are a lot of other people that, that would help to see to see this to see this done. I think Mike Lindell would be interested too because he's so yes. about this. He is so about getting rid of the machines, and that's mm -hmm. I just love him. I have never met him, but I love his spirit and and how he's a, such a fighter in, in spite of anything and everything, lawsuits and everything else. He just keeps going like Carrie Lake. Mm -hmm. um, under well, he's under even more fire than she is, but yeah, those are some good suggestions, definitely. Um, well, yeah. you know, I just want to comment on something in regards to. The international community mm -hmm. back when we were real active in this, I can't remember what the year was, but there was a lawsuit in Germany that some compute, ironically, computer programmers, I think they were some kind of IT guys, a father and son who both worked in that field, filed a lawsuit at a federal level in Germany about the inscrutability of electronic voting systems and how you couldn't trust the results because you couldn't see the results. And I can't remember exactly how they worded their uh, lawsuit, but the German government found in favor of getting rid of the voting machines at that time. I don't know where they stand now, but in their in the uh, decision that they made, they said it should not it should not be difficult for the average citizen voter to understand how their elections, how their votes are being counted how their elections are being held and how their votes are being counted. And because of that, they took away that they took away electronic voting, at least for some period of time. And I think that there's just a real resonance among anyone that really is concerned about really being able to choose our own leaders. 
Well, I'll put my hand up whether I could be in your documentary, because the fact is that maybe, maybe you have an international section within the film. Maybe you look at certain things internationally of what, what's going on, because we've mentioned, I think, Latvia. I think that's the place when you check that out or whether it was Slovakia. Sorry, I apologize. We got that wrong. But then looking at the Philippines, looking at what's been happening over here within the UK, even if um, there's electronic voting used in trade, trade union, uh, you know, voting, et cetera, et cetera, to look at all this and pull that out, you could have a European, um, uh, sorry, a, a, a worldwide view, take some advantage, take some examples on that. Because I think, I mean, it is such a powerful thing to say because you come back to this, don't you, where it's been part of our discussion. You know, Stalin said, it's not who, it's not who votes that's important, it's who counts the votes. There's a, an important history lesson there. And of course, within his behavior, it will be behind locked doors and just going, well, uh, only, you know, we won. And if you don't accept that, then we'll line you against a wall and then we'll shoot you. So there is all these, there is all these kind of, there's all these kind of issues. Yes, there are. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for having me on. I just really enjoyed this so much and having this dialogue with you. And you, you've got, you've got me inspired. I'll, I'll just leave it at that for now. And I'll let you know how that goes, what happens from here. Well, Vicky, I'm very gratified for that. And thank you very much for your time about an important issue that when we are, just throw this out to you, when we are facing the fact that you want to take that, you want to take the age of voting down from 18 to 16, and people would even like to take it down to 14, right? This is this whole thing of registering for a vote and the age. We're fighting that battle as well. But yeah. yeah. But Vicky, yeah. I can't. I can't thank you enough for, for joining me. And what, what I would love is for, you know, at some point soon, we do this discussion again. Let's try and find Bev. I need to find uh, my friend up in Canada. And I can see that there, there needs to be a broad, because this issue has been on mainstream television at a certain point, as you've said, with the HBO documentary and all the rest, there is a huge discussion if not anything else, to say there's a huge historical discussion to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think it would be great if you can locate Bev. I can certainly try and make that mm. connection. But uh, if, if I haven't talked to her in a while, but she uh, she picks up the phone when I call her. But if that number doesn't didn't work that you had, I don't know if I've got her number or not. No, but I'll certainly no. reach out and try. Right. Vicky, thank you very much indeed. I wish thank you, you so much, a Mark. lovely a lovely afternoon. And, All right, thank, uh, thank you. you. Thank Appreciate you. It. All right. Speak to you soon. Right. Take care. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to try and wake up Thumper. I'm going to try and wake him up. Um, Thumper, are you awake? Are you awake, sir? I'll wait. That'd be brilliant. There's a little bit of video footage that if we could try and get access to. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you. That I think you agree with me that that was an amazing discussion. And um, I, I don't know, 
Thumper could find it for me, that would be amazing. I sent you two emails, sir. There's one which is a seven or eight minute clip about um, that's it. Thumper, thank you very much indeed. If we could play this clip, Vicky brought this up, which was the seven or eight minutes that Bev Harris, there she was, showing the particular machine. I'm sure that many of you have actually seen this before, but as a as a sort of backup to our discussion, we're just we're just um we'll play we'll play this which would be great. Thank you, Thumper. Well, let me tell you what we're going to do today. We have constructed a mini election, uh, but Harry Hersey, as you have served as a technical advisor of how to do this, we're going to ask you to remain outside. After you, let me introduce you to my election staff. To ensure that we've not prepared some sort of a, a device that has been pre-rigged, pick the number and then we'll grab that unit and that will be the device that we will count the ballots on. I just feel like this is the one. Okay, and the winner is unit 15191. 15191. What we have here is a programmed optical scan ballot. Uh, there is only one question on this ballot. Can the votes on the Diebold system be hacked using the memory card? I have only touched the memory card, not the other parts of the Diebold election system, which is going to be used today. Only the memory card. And uh, I, I can certainly speak for myself and Harry and that we're going to vote yes. All right, then let's have the rest of us vote no. Two individuals, okay. Hugh and Harry, will be voting yes. The rest of us will be voting no. And then we'll scrutinize the ballots afterwards to ensure that that is indeed the mark. I will say that I'm wrong and Diebold is right. And I'm going to say uh, no, they cannot be hacked. It's impossible. So I vote no. I'm going to film myself voting. Excuse me. I'm going to mark this ballot no. Okay. Dr. Thompson? I am going to mark this ballot yes. Seen some pretty concerning things. Well, it's down to you. You're the last voter, Harry. All right. I think it could be. So I vote for yes. You will be the second yes. All right. I am here is the memory card I have touched. Okay. Now, this is the only piece of Diebold equipment that you've used. That's correct. Well, thank you. Let me take your ballot in. <laughs> this card will go into this slot. The next activity that the election worker does on the morning of the election is turn the machine on, making it live to receive votes. When you do that, this machine will produce what is called a zero total tape. The machine is going through a self-test analysis, and then it will spontaneously turn on. This is Harry's card that is telling us that there are zero votes stored in the memory. 
Okay, let me get the ballots. Let's insert a yes ballot. We're going to put in another no. Seven. And the last no ballot, eight. Placing the ender card in this device and telling it to turn off its counting function and do its reporting function will now cause the voting machine to print out a tape reading the number of votes that it had just read. Oh my. Here's the tape. Seven people said it could be hacked. And we put through six and two. Six, six no's, no's and two, two yes. yes. Oh my gosh, do you know what this means? How do we know that Hari didn't just change the report and the votes themselves on the memory card are still correct? If that was the case, when they go into GEMS, the results would be different, isn't that right? I mean, the only way to know that is to read them into GEMS and to check the vote totals. See what Jim says. Should we do that? I think we should, because I want to confirm mm -hmm. for my own analysis, is this just a superficial? Correct. Right, that's a good, that's a good question. Words, did we just change the words on this paper? And we will upload this memory card If I had not seen what was behind this, um, I'd have no reason not to. I would have certified this election as a true and accurate result of a vote. I don't know exactly how to describe what, what I saw here. Um, 
think we, as election officials, need to be a little bit more demanding from the vendors as to the technical specifications of this equipment. The vendors are driving the process of voting technology in the United States. I would much rather, at this point, I think, focus on allowing citizens to select technology that satisfies their needs. You're muted, uh, yeah, you're muted. I'm, I'm muted. Sorry, the classic, the classic lack of professional uh, yeah, and, and mistake. I, and I, I was, apologize. Well, and I was muted when I said you were muted, so. <laughs> and we're muted together. Um, Thumper, thank you for playing that. I think it illustrates something uh, perfectly. I mean, I'm sure that and many people have actually seen seen that documentary, have seen it before. And I just want to read, I want to read something from the book Hacked, because the lady that was tearful, I think, is actually Abby Wardman Delosia, who was uh, one of the people that edited this. And here, here's a, a really important point. Um, says in her bio, in addition, she has co-produced a press conferences in Washington, D.C. and Austin, Texas, on the issue of vote fraud, one being on September the 22nd, 2004, at the National Press Club, titled Hacking the Presidential Election, a Bipartisan Problem. Anyone can do it there. Bev Harris, computer security expert, Dr. Herbert Thompson. Bev was in that film. I... I'm hoping, I think that maybe one of them could have been Dr. Herbert Thompson, I don't know. Jeremiah Akin demonstrated six ways election software could easily be hacked. The other was co-produced in conjunction with TrueMajority.org and took place at the state capitol in Austin, Texas, coinciding with national activities supporting the Computer 8 My Vote Day. Con and we go from there. So... Ladies and gentlemen, as I, uh, we're sort of coming up into the last sort of well and truly into the last 15 minutes of the show. But as I, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, and I'm not being clever in many ways, I'm sort of late to this. But as, as Vicky and I were in the discussion, I raised what happened in the Philippines. I raised, I think, is either Latvia, Slovakia, what happened where they had a whole, the whole, there were huge questions raised about um philippine uh, election and the fact that digital voting machines were used i think that might have been 2014-15 um it seems quite some time ago but unfortunately the issues of course raised are absolutely paramount the the fraud then was actually raised on mainstream television the fact that we over here as i say within the fact that Within the UK, we have a parliament in Scotland, we have a parliament in Wales, we have our the overall arching UK parliament, but we have a devolved government also in Northern Ireland. But the Scottish elections in 2012 and 17, electronic voting is was used. And as I also mentioned, that David Curtin, who is who was then the assembly member of the of the London Assembly actually asked then Mayor, Mayor Carney, still is mayor, a question in regard to the election that was suspended and then took place after 
COVID, no bid nonsense, I think in May 21, was the fact that um, how are you going to be, how sure are you, how secure are you about the mayoral elections compared to what we have just seen in the presidential elections, November 2020? David Curtin actually raised that. So if you want to march towards totally and utterly disaffecting everyone with the electoral voting system, then this is one way, of course, that you actually then do it. To hear it in Vicky's words, I've never heard this, over the punch card uh, goings on between Bush and Gore, that was absolutely fascinating, that the paper was not of quality when you were actually trying to poke a hole through there, that then it was not, then it could not be counted properly. It begs so many different things in regard to how votes, we look at the the ballot harvesting, we look at everything was going on, we remember the presidential election of 2020, that suddenly there's a count and people are blacking out windows, they're stopping, say, re Republican uh, authorities, voters who are, uh, you know, analysing the votes to check everything that is secure. The fact that they were being stopped coming in the room, they were stopped from viewing this whole process. And um, as we know, we know that in 2016, which at a certain point, they then couldn't, they couldn't sort of harvest it anymore because they were turning around and going, right, you know, we need 100,000 votes in this county or 80,000 votes in this county and we're, we're bring the, we're bring people in. Um, just a last few comments about what's uh, what's happening over here. Um, just to give you a, a few headlines, we talk about, of course, the swamp in Washington D.C., we which we have for a number of years. We're now then facing the fact that uh, you could argue that at the moment Brexit actually leaving the EU fully, technically we're turning around saying that hasn't fully happened. When we reveal that. When we elect people into into public office, like our members of parliament, they are standing on the, what they've actually been elected to put, put through in their manifestos. Then we discover that we have what we will call a civil servant class, a class of like the permanent government there who were doing whatever they can to actually stop the policies of the particular government that have come into power to put through. So in October 2000, oh, sorry, in December, early December 2019, the Conservatives, inverted commas, we have, we have uh, Conservative in name only, they've been in power for 13 years. I don't know what they've been conserving because frankly the country is completely going to pot and COVID has quite a lot to do with that. We turn around and go, right, we voted them in. It's going to be a full hard Brexit now. We ask them to solve the problem of illegal immigration. We have hundreds, if not thousands of people up to this point, maybe about 50,000, 50,000 people this year, by little dinghies coming over the channel. We don't seem to be uh, handling that problem. There seems to be a huge backlog of processing people who have come in who say that they are refugees into this country. It seems to be taking forever 
to even process people that have been in this country for two years that I and others as taxpayers have actually been paying for. We then have just recently had at, um, at a student union at the Oxford Union, there has been a debate about, with uh, a, a very brave lady, I think, called uh, Kathleen Stockman, who has been asserting the fact that men are men and women are women and that it's a biological fact. We have then had young people uh, exploding all over this in, in regard to saying we're here to protect uh, transgender rights and all this and trying to shout this lady down. What my concern is, as I'm also there be a concern on the, on your side of the pond over the fact that these are young people at a top university who are holding particular views that are against biological facts. So that's another thing that we are dealing with. We suddenly have our Prime Minister Rishi Sunak going, well, I back Kathleen Stock Stockman. I actually back free speech was taken long enough. I'm amazed that we're even having this discussion to shut that, to even say, oh, well, we're shutting down free speech. To then also inform you, within a year, we have to have an election in this country. Um, we then have that'd be Rishi Sunak, our present prime minister, unless they get rid of him and put someone else in. Then you have the Labour Party, the socialist orientated party, to say the least. Uh, it totally and utterly embedded by the Fabian Society. Another subject for another day. Global movement founded in 1884. If you then take Starmer, who's a member of the Trilateral Commission, a body, a utopian body that many of you will be fully, fully aware of. So that is another thing that is playing out, that is playing out here as well within our, within our own system. The unfortunate thing, like for many, many of you on your side of the pond, we are then witnessing people that are not aware of any of these things. We're not aware of the complexities of any of it. So that's to give you a little bit of British news that's going on. We, um, we also seem to be uh, seeing our ex-Prime Minister Boris Johnson flying off to Texas to have meetings with whoever, Ron Paul uh, reported this, meetings to make sure that arms and support is happening for Zelensky in the Ukraine. Uh, words define me, words fail me, to be quite honest. As in, who is actually trying to be a, pe a peace broker in here? Of course, it doesn't seem to suit the Biden family or the democratic slush fund of of, uh, of fraudulent money laundering that goes on within the Ukraine. It doesn't seem to suit them to even to even uh, sort this issue out. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for joining me. We've got a few more minutes. I just want to I want to thank Thumper for being on the other end. I do, I do apologize about my technological panic going where are you? Where are you? I need you. So I, I thank I thank you, sir. I hope you are well. I'm doing just fine, thank you. Uh, you know, just uh, relaxing here at the uh, at the computer until uh, we uh, wrap this show up, and uh, and I've got some sawdust to make. Ah, brilliant. Well, I hope I hope you learned something from Vicky being on as well, sir, because you have huge knowledge. I hope I was able to you know, indulge you there. And there were some certain things that you learned from uh, her being on yeah, tonight she, as well. She did bring up some uh, some excellent points. And, 
you know, and, and it's all about uh, the uh, uh, custody of the of, of the uh, of the ballots. That's really what it boils down to. You have to have a continuous chain of responsible custody of the ballots, uh, no matter how they're kept, whether electronically or on uh, paper. And uh, you know, in a world of uh, uh, you know large populations of people, uh, that is a difficult uh, task uh, at best. Uh, and making sure that you always have somebody who is of the of the utmost character and uh, uh, working as the monitor, and not a you know just not another flunky that. Uh, is, goes along to get along well absolutely i mean tony blair introduced postal ballots in this country to me i want to, i would get rid of the postal ballots tomorrow because there has been they have been abused from the lakes of minnesota to the hills of tennessee Across the plains of Texas, oh, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, New York to L.A., where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. Cause there ain't 